we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Right in. No warm up. Just no warm up. Zero warm up. Right to it. <laughs> Hello, dojo family. <laughs> I'm here with one of my best friends that exists on the planet, Adam Roa. And as you just heard, we had zero percent warm up for all of you. We decided to just bring it raw, real, authentic, and transmit, you know, through, I think, the best way to teach is really through the embodiments of learnings that have been earned well, that have been, you know, uh, the, the teachers that I resonate with the most. And I, and I regard you as one of them, Adam, are the ones who like really walk the talk. The ones who I can feel are expressing from a place of true integrity and integrity comes from experience integrity embodiment like when someone is transmitting an invitation a lesson or a teaching to me it lands it just hits different when that individual has is truly emanating the embodied experience of one who has actually walked it and lived to tell the tale and then is speaking from the other side of of those lived experiences and i really regard you as one of those teachers in my own life and in, in the lives of many and also you know one of the closest humans to my heart that currently exists on the planet. And I'm just so grateful, Adam Roa, to have you here today. It feels it feels so good to, um, yeah, just jam with you in service of the Dojo family. And let's see what wants to come through. 
Yeah. I mean, stepping into the dojo, we have no idea really what's going to happen. That's kind of the the whole thing with the dojo. And uh, thank you for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. You know how much I love you. And for people who don't know, Z and I have been friends since an ayahuasca ceremony where I crawled onto her lap and laid my head down in the middle of an ayahuasca ceremony and said, will you be my first female friend? <laughs> and she said, yes. And so uh, from that moment forward, we were friends and, um, yeah, you're, you are just the closest female friend that I have since that moment till now. And, um, even yesterday we had an hour long call where, where we dropped in pretty deep. So this, uh, this to me feels like just a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just like, let's, let's go deep. See, what do we got? Totally. So what is it? What is it? that makes a really good friend what what was it in that moment when you crawled into my lap in the Aya ceremony because we I mean we knew each other but we didn't like really know each other yet but yeah. there was an there was a definitely an energetic attraction and connection but yeah. what is it like what were you sensing at that time that was an indicator for you that this is a really good friend and what does it take? Like, what does it take to be a really good friend? Like, what is that? What do you define that as in your own life? Those are good questions. You know, I can't remember that. So that ceremony where I, I crawled into your lab and asked you to be my friend uh, was <laughs> like also the ceremony. Dream of a proposal. Other girls, <laughs> other girls dream of a man crawling into their lap and asking them to be their best friend. <laughs> right. And so like. That was also in the midst of like kind of being told by the medicine I was going to have a million dollar client by the end of the week. And so my like that whole weekend was such a crazy whirlwind that I don't remember specifically what it was, but I do remember just feeling like there was just just this sort of message of this is this is a person like this is your person this is someone that you need to in some way there was something about uh you that the medicine was just like go and be with this person yeah and i think that as i've seen our relationship grow over the years where i would i've been a nomadic basically for 5 years and and whenever I was in California. I was hitting you up and being like, Hey, is, is my room available in your house and staying with you? And I think that if I had to look at some, some things that we have in our friendship, I think that there's a really great balance of Mm non-judgment, non-judgment, which, which has an unconditional love quality to it, but combined with a, I'm going to give you the real. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you when you're in your wounding. I'm going to tell you when I see you acting in ways. And I'm, I, I would say in, in a lot of ways, we, maybe me more than you, but like, I, I'll be very direct with you. I will call you on your, your stuff and say, Z, no, that's <laughs> it. I can't actually hear you keep saying this. I'm going to stop you mid sentence and tell you. No, I'm not having any more of this. And I think that at least for me, I need that in friendship. I need to know that because if if you're someone that's only going to say what I want to hear, then I actually can't trust what you have to say. Yeah. 
And so I feel like trust. I, I really trust you. I trust you to be honest with me. I trust your interpretation and read of things. I, I, tr- I You're someone that I trust where I can go to you with anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the found to me, that's the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel that too. It's, it's like, these are, you know, ins- essential ingredients that we put into the the pot of, you know, the individuals that we invite into the like closest parts of our, of our being and our heart. And they, it does really make a difference who you surround yourself by. And one thing that I really appreciate in our connection is that I know that we have each other's best interest at heart. Like there's no, um, it doesn't feel, it feels like the field is so clear. Like there's such a, a holding a stand for each other's greatness. And it's, it's a similar mirror that you're saying it's a stand for each other's greatness, like relentlessly beyond like crash through every ceiling that you ever find. And there's also a devotion to when you hit the floor or when you Mm -hmm. think you're hitting the floor. And that's kind of one stamp I put on all my closest relationships is no matter what is like, those are the ones, the ones that feel, I feel the closest to are the ones that actually it's not so much indicated by the ones who are showing up when things are fucking great, but it's the ones who show up no matter what, when it's the hardest, when things are falling apart, when, when they can see me more than I can see myself, you know, when you're naming, when I'm squirming around and maybe justifying behavior of, of past partners or different ways of being, you're just like, Zahara, no, you know, like we just really hold each other to the highest standard. And sometimes that can be really uncomfortable, especially if your friend is in a spin or in an identity, you know, an outdated identity that's, that's shedding and you're seeing holding the highest for them. You're seeing what's emerging and the identity that shedding is justifying, making up stories, holding on for dear life, resisting those ego deaths. And I think the nature of a really good fucking friend is someone who can do both is actually invite what is emerging through you while simultaneously holding unconditional, no matter what space for the aspects that are shedding so that what's emerging can actually pop through. And like, no matter what unconditional space, those are words that I'm saying, but what is that actually mean? Like feel what that actually means. There there is a, a certain level of resilience and like, really like a foundation of love that is true. That's really required for relationship at the depth that we experience in our friendship. And that our closest friends that I feel in that is like, it it's, it's not a light thing to say, Oh yeah, this is my best friend. You know, like there's an unconditional nature. There's a no matter what nature, like, what does that mean to you? no matter what unconditional, I feel like that language even gets thrown around a lot in romantic relationship or friendship. And I, and on the planet right now, there is a redefinition, a refinement and like a triangulation. I feel like that is, um, forcing clarity and truth to the surface. And so there's there, at least in my own life, I am feeling a really deep refinement and clarity around 
the individuals in my life that I feel the like that are the closest to me and what draws me more into relationship and what is kind of like, okay, there's actually a boundary here. And so it's a, it's, it's, it's actually when it's true, not a big ask for someone to be able to love you no matter what, but it also at the same time is a really big stake to lay in the sand. Yeah. And you know, the thing is that I don't know if I would say that we love each other no matter what. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> what, what I'm just thinking, I'm like, you know what I mean? There, there's certain, cause always leave it up to Adam to play devil's advocate. He'll always well, heaven's advocate here oh, is just, I believe that, uh, love is unconditional. So I will love you no matter what forever. And relationships are conditional. And so there is a level of, because of how much trust and history we have, it would take quite a lot to yeah. break that, that, that friendship. And, you know, like if I were to, to do something crazy to like Hugo, that could, that could be a, a deal breaker. Yeah. You, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I think that, um, when I think of the, no matter what, what that means to me, even that we even think in that those terms, is that I actually can't imagine a scenario that, like, I trust you so deeply that I can't actually imagine a scenario that would, like, break our friendship. Because anything that would fall in that category, I can't imagine you actually doing. That's and yeah, yeah, we yeah. have had we have had scenarios where you're like, I don't, I can't talk to you for a while. Yeah. Well, we can talk about like, that scenario. You're so, like, I can't talk to you for a while. I need a break. Yeah. I need a break from our, our friendship for well, a sec. Well, hold on. Let's go into this. Hold okay. On. So, so <laughs> what had happened was, so, <laughs> so first of all, I, before we go into that, I just want to say when I say no matter what, I'm, I'm trusting myself so deeply in my attunement to the individual sit like that you are, you took the words out of my mouth, of course, because we share a fucking oversoul, but it's, it's no matter, I actually feel, I do feel aligned with the language no matter what, but that might just be my wiring and like the devotional being that I am. You're right. No matter what, or unconditional, no matter what to me is if you were to come so far out of alignment with yourself that you did something harmful to my dog, of course I would set a boundary. Of course I would, you know, create distance from you to protect my child. But, and, and that I would know that that would ultimately be serving you because if I advocated for that type of behavior, that would not be loving you. That would not actually be what love would do. And so what love would do that me loving you, no matter what is still, no matter what, even if that's such a slippery slope, Z like where you're going though, is such a slippery slope because how many people on the planet now are being like, are justifying their actions and their choices based on like, I'm doing this for you. This is really the loving thing for me to do for you. It would be for me, right? for me, but I was flipping it and I was thinking like, if I held the, no matter what the idea of what, no matter what, like the construct of, you know, you could have any behavior pattern and I would just be your friend, no matter what in, in yeah. the, like the, that context, it would, 
that wouldn't serve either one of us. That would not. No, I don't think that that it would be helpful in any relationship to be truly unconditional. Like I think I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent, and I know that that we both have our stuff with families and parents Uh and stuff. But like, there's a part of me that thinks of like, for example, when I had friends. So there was a time in my life when I was um, smoking heroin long long ago, Uh and the people that I was doing that with, Uh many of them had been uh, stealing from their families. They've been to rehab multiple times. And, and like, there's a certain time when I'm thinking their parents need to kick them out of the house. Like they actually need to take a stand. And I think I would do that. I, and so there's an unconditional love. That is still love. That's what I think as well. And there are so many people incapable of taking those hard stands and, and owning boundaries because their version of unconditional love in some way, shape or form doesn't include taking that stand, like kicking, kicking your kid out of the house because they're on drugs for some parents. They're like, there's, I could never do that. I would never do that. No matter what that's unconditional love. And so it's interesting to think about what and where we get our definitions of the conditions or unconditions of relationship. Totally. Well, that's the, that's my example. You, you, God forbid doing anything to harm my animal would be the parent kicking you out for heroin. You know what I mean? Like I would be like, you're out of here. And, (laughs) and I would know just like the parent knows that their child on heroin is, is suffering, is hurting, is out of alignment with their like actual the expression of their of their own truth and i know that in that moment i actually do think that that's there's a reason it's important not to enable or that the the parents are allowing the kid to hit rock bottom and you're right some codependent dynamics will say that unconditional love no matter what that construct means don't kick the kid out of the house allow that negative behavior to go on no matter what I think that's a distorted definition. It's actually, there is still, and this might be my fantasy, this might be my romance <laughs> part, but there is still, if you're a parent to a child, like where the depth of even our like friendship, I really feel like no matter what, even the last six, seven years of the depth of our friendship has been enough to impact me as a being for the rest of my life. Like I'm going to have love for you no matter how wild you get in your life. Now, I, based on the trajectory and every ounce of every moment I've ever seen of you, you only keep getting better. And I literally, like you said earlier, could not imagine a reality where you did anything that would so severely, you know, be so severely out of alignment that I would actually have to like draw a hard boundary and remove you from my life. And if I did do that, I, I pray that I could see from the vantage point that I'm at that you're on your journey. And like, I had to draw whatever boundary I had to draw. And I still have love for you, how you've touched my life and the impact you've had on me all the way up until this juncture. Now I've seen, I mean, I've seen major acts of forgiveness in like I was, I just did an episode with Ailey Jolie. This is a different, we're kind of going on a tangent, but here we are. Um, I did an episode with Ailey Jolie and she was speaking of the perpetrator wound. And after experiencing, there's an episode y'all can listen to a couple before this one with Ailey and it's called the perpetrator wound and healing sexual trauma. And she talks about 
the experience in her ayahuasca ceremonies of being placed in the body of her perpetrator and actually experiencing the depth, how much more intense the pain that that individual was in than even she was in, in the moment of the perpetration and how confusing that was for her and the places where it built compassion and just all the layers of, of course, there's going to be a fuck. No, of course, there's going to be a boundary, but now I'm taking it to the far reaches of the extremes of distorted, damaging human behavior and where an individual can even find compassion on the other side of sexual violation. Now, mitigate it all the way to where our conversation is in terms of our friendship and will we love each other no matter what. That's an interesting tangent yeah, to, to well, use for an analog- I'm just analogy. Saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> now the form of love might change. Yeah. So the form of our love of our friendship, like you said, I think what you're saying is it might be unconditional. I feel like we're in like love court. We're like, we're like, we're, we're no, like, I'll still love you if this, but not if this, yeah. but it look different here. I hope people are still listening. They're like, what are these two talking about? How much they love each other or how, or they're how kind they might of not. not loving each other. Like, they're like, here's my boundaries. Don't touch my dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Everything else. All good. We'll be friends forever. Don't fuck with my dog. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, I would set a boundary and still see you in your highest. Wow, I don't know. We're 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 going there. Did and you have a plan for this? Do you interview? What's the next question? Well, I just wanted to ask <laughs> you about our about your definition of friendship, and this is everybody a lens into our friendship kinds of conversations that that we have. But I guess we're we are we are stalemating a little bit on the concept of unconditional and no matter what. And I'm saying that the form of love no matter what you could do in this life, if you did come far out of alignment, maybe the form of our relationship would change and the the expression of that love would shift and there might be boundaries. But yeah, I couldn't imagine you coming so far off the rails. But what's interesting is you say that as if I came so far out of alignment, but that alignment is always relative. Like in your example, that alignment is relative to the perception you have of who I am and have been in your life. And so the moment that I might step into more alignment and start my, my, you know, dog cafe and need good dog meat or whatever. (laughs) And like, and that's like my new life path might be very, I'm half Asian. You never know. And so you have this thing and like, (laughs) I'm really aligned with this new path and it's, and for you, when you say I come far out of alignment, it's important, I think, to, to make a distinction that alignment is something in that instance, we're seeing alignment of other individuals through the lens of how we've known people, right? And so what's also important to understand is that the alignment uh, and perception we have of other individuals is actually based entirely of the past. It's not a present moment. So every time you and I get on a phone call, let's say it's been two weeks, three weeks since we've spoken to each other, you're a different human. You, you may have done some ceremonies, you may have, you know, dated, gone on some dates, you may have uh, whatever, and who knows what the hell I did in those two or three weeks. And so we're coming as different people, but the moment that we get on the phone, we're actually start, at least starting the conversation with a 
perceived perception of who the other person is based on the past, which is not actually accurate to the present moment. And so in that present moment, there's going to naturally be some level of, is this person actually the same or not the same? And assuming that they're not the same, do I like the changes that I'm experiencing in real time? You and I are very different than we were seven, eight years ago or whatever it was when we first really became friends. Mm -hmm. And what has happened is I've fallen more in love with who you are as a person and more, I'm more proud of you. I'm so impressed by what you're building and doing and all of those things that I say, wow, she's really in alignment. But understanding that alignment is entirely relative, right? And I think that's just an important distinction to to make because I can do whatever the hell I want and only I get to decide whether it's an alignment for me or not, right? That's true. true. All right. Stalemate complete. I wave the white flag. (laughs) I think think that's a valuable thing just for people to understand when, because right now what's most alive for me is just relationships, relation, relations, how we're relating. And I'm thinking a lot, uh, I'm meeting a lot of new people here in Miami and I'm experiencing a lot of new energies of like, I don't really like this or do like this or whatever. And what's crazy is because I don't really have community out here, everyone I'm meeting is, is new They're, I'm not the way it is in LA. I can, I'll see people that I may have known two years ago and haven't seen, but I have some history with, or I've seen or known through community or whatever mm-hmm. to be in like almost every day meeting new people has had me thinking a lot about friendship and relationship and, and what, those dynamics actually mean and are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important to know, you know, and there is something when it comes to, I've had an Achilles heel in my own relationship history around, ah, just like the, I've really had to sit with like, what is the fantasy that I've been conditioned around is like, what actually, this is the flip side of the coin of what is no matter what, what is, what is devotion actually? And is devotion to, you know, relationship or best friendship or friendship or business, the business vision, long-term devotion to any type of relationship is a beautiful thing. And that's an intention, but there's also the, the balance of that, which is the ability to hold it lightly and meet each relationship. And even the relationship with an entity, like the evolving form of your business anew with at every step of the way. And part of that is the willingness to actually also be able to let it go in the form that it was. If the truth is it's evolving into something new. And if you Mm -hmm. hold on to it too tightly, you can actually suffocate the love from flowing or the inspiration from flowing if it's relative to a business or a creation. And so Mm -hmm. I think what you're naming is a beautiful balance where I'm over here like, no, no matter what, and it's unconditional, you know, and that's all true. And it's a beautiful come from, you know, and and being Uh able to hold that, like that, that line of compassion and forgiveness, no matter what, that you would like stay the course with someone that you really care for. And I actually it's interesting what you said, because even you're right, there was a blind spot in saying, you know, I'm trusting that your alignment, there's even a projection in that, that I'm imagining your alignment will be what I imagine it to be based on the past trajectory that it's been. Mm -hmm. So that's why we couldn't imagine coming out of alignment. Right. And so there is sort of a projection there and there's like an invitation to bring it 
all the way home into the moment. And I think there's a beautiful dance that marries both of what we're saying, which is like meeting each individual anew in the in every new moment. Because we, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I suspect you're deeply devoted to your own personal transformation and interested in this. If you were even following 5% of what we were just talking about. We went and off the rails a little bit. We did go off the rails, but um, we're, we're, we're back. And, you know, there's a growth, a, a shift that happens within a year, nevertheless, a month, nevertheless, even a day sometimes if you if you don't connect with the individual. Like if we don't connect, like you said, for even two weeks, there really is often a lot of major shifting that has happened. So we're doing, we're, we're really finding this marriage between holding each relationship with the grace and lightness of like, okay, show me who you are in this now moment. And I'm available for whatever the truest expression of you is. And then from there, you can check in if it's still in alignment for you. And also holding the line of like, there is a devotion to that inquiry and to getting to know what is there and staying the course to the degree that it's true for you all the way through to the degree that it's true. So there's a beautiful marriage there. Now, I know you've been in relationships study deeply for most of your life and at the leading edge of where you're at now in our conversation yesterday, we had a, a couple moments where we were actually really acknowledging ourselves for the capacity that we're both experiencing in relationship at this juncture of our lives and and the like the ability to kind of see from a perspective and a vantage point that feels more expanded than it ever has before and i'm wondering if you can speak to the multitude we 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 named some like death processes that needed to happen in order to arrive at that place of capacity and perspective that you're experiencing right now. And I am as well. We're, we're, I'm finding that we in our conversations are actually speaking to each other from a new place than we ever have before. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to what it's taken. Like, are there any guideposts or like symbolic kind of moments throughout your relationship history that you could peg as specifically supporting the expansion in both your awareness and perspective, like being able to hold with perspective and your capacity right now to hold for what's happening in your life at the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's I would a say, lot. That's a, yeah, that's a lot. I think that um, if I had to take some, some key moments, I guess my, my, biggest one is is really breakups you know i i think that breakups um as you know i released a course on breakups called mm -hmm. the art of breaking up mm -hmm. um because i feel like breakups are one of one of the very few things you experience in life outside of maybe death that simultaneously dissolve your past, present, and future. Because the moment of a breakup, so, so let's say that you like got into a car accident. Well, you get into a car accident, it changes your present, 
right? There's, you might have an injury or whatever, uh, what you have to deal with in the present. Your future, like let's say you did get injured. Well, now you, you have to rehab and, and different things and, and your future trajectory could be very altered by, by something like a car accident. But you don't really necessarily reframe the past of who you've been based off of a, a car accident, right? And, and similarly getting fired from a job or different things like that. But when you go through a breakup, you're obviously your present is dissolved. You're no longer in a relationship. Your future has completely changed because you were imagining a future with someone that is no longer there. So it's blank. And then your past, suddenly the entire evolution of that relationship has different meaning. Mm. Literally the last two years, 10 years, whatever that you were with this person, everything they said has different meaning. Everything that happened between you, suddenly it's like, oh, it was all leading to a breakup. So it takes on different meaning. And you can even when you start to get to the point of wrecking and taking ownership of how you may have contributed to the breakup and that situation, suddenly you're looking at your history, even before that relationship of the wounds and the traumas and the things you couldn't see when you were in the relationship. And suddenly your entire past, uh, takes on a, a new meaning as well. And so, uh, while that is, that's part of the reason why it's so intense uh, because literally your entire consciousness has just dissolved in, in an instant. And it's also one of the greatest opportunities that we have. So when we speak to my particular growth points, mm -hmm. um, I really leaned in to my breakup processes mm -hmm. and got the most out of each of them in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I think that and I would say that that may may be some of the most helpful friend advice I've been able to give you over over the last several years is like really how to navigate and get the most out of a, a breakup experience and start to recognize the chapter because I, I I use this term just take the lessons leave the baggage just the the breakup will happen for a very specific reason. And in that reason, there's an opportunity for you to take lessons so that you can become more aligned with the type of relationship you want to have. Mm -hmm. And that may include taking ownership for a lot of the stuff that you did or didn't do and the ways that you did not show up when you're not proud of, of how you were in that partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the most challenging parts of a breakup process, I feel, is you know, really seeing yourself in that mirror and, you know, I'm imagining if you're with somebody for an extended period of time at, at least a fundamental level, this is somebody that you respect. This is somebody that has awareness and perspective and a voice that you care about and that you've resonated with on one level or another, at least in part of your journey and in a significant part of your journey, if you've gone into deep partnership with someone for an extended period of time. So to really come out of defense and take full ownership for the part that you played in the breakup process is one of the most humbling and also up-leveling 
experiences that one can have. And I feel like right there, it's really important how you relate to yourself while you're receiving your own responsibility in it. Because if you're relating to yourself through the lens of judgment, judgment energetically is not conducive to transformation or healing. And so there's an implosive energetic. If you're like, you see your responsibility and ownership in it, and then you just punish yourself or beat yourself up for it or implode into that, there's that kind of stifles the expansive trajectory. And so a big part of the practice is kind of like removing the judgment. And that can be tricky when it's kind of mixed up in the alchemy of having of your heartbreak of that depth of grief and pain and then judgment and like the the mixture of grief and pain and loss and sadness and judgment and would have, could have, should have done this if I could have done that. Like that part of the breakup process I feel like is one of the most challenging experiences of the human condition. And as we start to kind of pair out, and it's helpful if you have a partner who's also taking equal and opposite responsibility, you know, it's challenging if they're not. Why though? Why? Um, well, that's a good question. So it, it ultimately it's best if you arrive into a place where you don't need them to. Uh-huh. Um, and I think why why I'm saying it feels challenging is because we all want to feel seen. Uh-huh. We all want to experience a shared reality with the person that we just spent years or a, a long time with. It's mm-hmm. nice. It's challenging if you literally are not experiencing a shared reality with the person that you're breaking up with. And if you're in a place of full ownership and then there's on the other side of the coin, you're not being met with also the shared full ownership that can feel challenging and uncomfortable. And it's important that you don't need that. There's a reason you're breaking up. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking while, as you were speaking is, is you're breaking up because you don't have a shared reality. Like generally speaking, almost every breakup will be because there's some level of how one person sees things and how another person sees things is not the same. Yeah. There is a, a missed, Mm -hmm. uh, like frequency. And so, because there is just a, a lack of shared reality that that is the reason for most breakups. And then suddenly in that breakup process, what can happen is we hold on to the idea that like we do want people to take ownership, but for a lot of there, that can get convoluted into, hey, I want this person, I want this, my ex to take ownership. But really what I'm saying is I'm still hoping they see the reality the way that I was seeing yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that what I had to, to learn at a certain point for myself, for my own sanity is the moment that you're broken up, mm-hmm. like the moment you decide we are not walking this path together any longer, that person, their healing process, their version of reality, their whatever is no longer your concern. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough one. 
That is a really tough one because just because you said you're broken up doesn't change the energetic ties and tethers. It doesn't change the fact that you still have all of these neural pathways in your mind that are emotionally tied to a future you saw together that are probably still on some level hoping that maybe if you both do the work, you'll get back together at some point in time and like seeing all the little ways that you could change it and maybe it could work out. That process is actually a process of rewiring your brain, right? And that's going to take some time. And as that rewiring is happening, all of those desires that you wanted while still together of like finding shared reality, wanting them to see it the way that you saw it, wanting them to take ownership, which is really just saying, I want them to see it the way that I saw it. I do think um, can cause a lot of suffering. It can, I personally was someone who just, held on to that for so long. And it might sound kind of cutthroat, but by removing any level of like needing them to do anything and basically being like, this person has, I'm not concerned now. My concern is my heart, my healing, Mm -hmm. and trusting that as I do that work and they do whatever their work is, we may be friends. Like we may be friends down the line. We may get back together down the line, but the only way that we could do that would be as new versions of ourselves anyway, in alignment with our own individual truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do feel that. And it's, it's, it's again, it's this marriage of like, yes, everything you're saying totally makes sense. And it's a process to like untangle <laughs> that energetically, you know, and I had this experience, um, on New Year's day, I was in an, a, a grandmother ceremony and, um, I had this like latent wave of sadness. You know, I went through a breakup about eight months ago now, and I feel like I've, you know, really thank goodness turned the corner from like the acute energetics around, the grief and the heartbreak and like that it's like landed in, in a way that feels true across the board. And in this, in this ceremony, I had this like wave of, of grief that came up. This like, it was like a latent wave of grief um, because I love this person, you know, there's still love in my heart. And um, there was this missing and I found myself in this beautiful ceremony sitting next to elder teachers. And I could feel that there wasn't anywhere else that I would rather be like, I'm like, wow, I'm in my alignment. I'm here in my alignment. And when this wave of grief came up, I got to witness the parts of my consciousness that would come up and go start to strategize or control or think about, you know, the, what, you know, what if it looked different or, um, you know, did we miss the mark on a certain, like, like strategizing around the potential of re-engaging it, you know, that we talked about that for a moment and we didn't do it, you know, and just from the grief, from the missing energy, that aspect, those, like those aspects get stirred up, right. From the Mm -hmm. feeling, the thoughts come up and it's like, wow, what occurred was then I, I literally opened my eyes to the experience I was having in the present moment that was so clearly the truth of my own alignment. And I couldn't imagine 
him being there in that room. And I could feel that the truth for him would not be that same alignment. And where he was locationally in the world at that moment wasn't my alignment. That didn't feel like where I was meant to be. And so I got to actually fully feel the depth of acceptance in my being around the truth that there's we're quite literally out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And when I when I felt that and I felt the acceptance roll through my system just through the lens through the lens of the acceptance of my own alignment and seeing that we're out of alignment I just started crying these tears and it felt like universal love. It felt like a total embrace of everything exactly as it is, which doesn't mean that there's no grief, which doesn't mean that there's not sadness sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But sitting close right next to grief or sadness is like, oh, wow. And I wouldn't be anywhere else. It's not meant to be different. I don't actually, it's out of alignment for it to be different. And so Mm -hmm. there's this kind of, after a breakup, there's sort of the shattering that you mentioned. And if the truth is, at least in that phase that it's, it's the breakup is serving you will find your alignment in your own like sovereign flow. There's so many things that have happened that feel so in alignment for me since the breakup that wouldn't have happened that way if we were still together, that in that moment, it like culminated into this feeling of it being, all of it being okay. Like it was a total non-resistant acceptance of all that is expressing itself as universal love. And when I got out of that ceremony, I felt compelled to message him and tell him happy new year and send love and, and just let that be a true expression. Like I didn't need to control any of it, but just mm-hmm. accept it as it is and accepting it as it is after the really most intense acute parts of the first few months of it does not mean that sometimes it doesn't feel sad, but it's Mm -hmm. like, I think going through these breakup processes, that's actually been really expansive for me going back to the original question, which is like, what moments have served to expand your capacity in the relationship that you're in now to hold in the way that you are? This is one for me. It's actually like, the reference point of going through breakups and arriving into moments like that have expanded my capacity to receive what's happening in the moment and then new relationships that feel more alignment and more compatible that are coming in in the moment. And the way that I can hold them feels like I'm holding them like there's less fear or something around heartbreak or breakup because I've been through it now through the ringer a couple of times. And I have reference points from this level of being of experiences like that one where like there's hurt or sadness or grief, but it's okay. And I'm okay. And hurt or sadness or grief doesn't mean that there's something wrong or off that needs to be different. I think moments like that, actually expand our capacity. It's like our ability to lose expands our capacity to love. And I actually think we have to live through both in order to show up to love 
We have to live through loss in order to show up to love bigger. I mean, yeah, I think that's well said. Grief is really just the other side of the coin to how much you love. Totally. That when you when you lose something, lose quote unquote something that you love, the level at which you loved created attachment to and all of that will be directly correlated to the amount of grief that you experience in some way, shape, or form. And so yeah, we love really it. it's just the the meaning we assign to grief. Yes, it's unpleasant at times and, and it's it's it can be very painful at times, but when we realize, wow, this feeling right now, I don't need to assign the meaning that there's something wrong, that, that I'm off alignment or whatever. I'm just in the process of allowing my emotions, my energetic tethers, my neurology to rewrite its past, present, and future. And that, because of how deeply attached I was through love, that is an experience that is bringing up this emotional um experience of, of grief. And I had a, a Aya ceremony where I was going through the kind of couple months after a breakup and, and I was crying and, and sad and all these things. And I had the medicine ask me very straight up, she said, would you rather you never met her? Mm. And I went and I stopped and I went, let me really think about that. And I said, no. He said, okay, so if I gave you on a soul level the opportunity to erase it and never have that relationship, that experience, would you choose that? And I was like, no. And she said, every time? And I said, every time I would choose the relationship again, even knowing that it ends, I would have it every time. And she said, wonderful. So what you're actually saying is that your soul got exactly what it wanted. Yeah. Every time every you're time. on a soul level, you would choose that. You would opt into that. You got exactly what your soul wanted. So what are you crying about? And I, I had this moment where I had to recognize I'm not a victim. On I would choose it. And so at, in that moment, it shifted for me. And I actually, in that ceremony, was able to fully release because I realized that I was holding on because I, I, I just for so many reasons, but regardless, the fact was I was holding on. I was struggling to release it and truly let it go. And that is something that I've found in every breakup that I've had. There's a moment where you will have to actually decide to let it go and move on. Yeah. And that, I, I think I remember we had a conversation where I said that I was like, you're not there yet. Clearly it hasn't happened yet, but there is going to be a moment where, and for me, they're usually in ceremony, they're in medicine space, but there's an energetic commitment. I am closing the door on this. Mm -hmm. I'm actually saying this is done now. Mm -hmm. And that changes. It, it may still look the same. There may be a lot of crying. There may be a lot of suffering. There may be a lot of, of whatever in that process, but there's a very distinct difference in the process when you've actually finally decided that the process is one of moving on and letting go. Mm -hmm. Totally. There is something that comes up right there because you are one of the most like masterful in terms of self accountability. Like when you, there's a certain thing that you do when you say you're going to fucking do it, you do it. And I've always told you, that's one of my favorite things about you. It's just this depth of 
um, self-honor, you know, and, you know, when it comes to self-honor, I believe that's held in the solar plexus and it really builds your personal power. The solar plexus connected to your sun. The sun is everything in the solar system revolves around the sun. It has gravity, gravitas. It's your center of gravity. It's how you magnetize everything in your life that everything orbits around the sun, right? And so how strong and powerful is your personal sun? How, how sun, how powerful is your solar power? And that's directly correlated in many ways to your self-honor how deeply you honor yourself, how deeply you honor your word. There's like a magnetism to that. And I, I recognize for myself, Adam and I, for everyone listening, we always talk about how similar we are. We have similar life paths, similar transformational patterns and pathways and, you know, likes and interests, very interesting. And there's also ways that we, we balance each other out as well. Um, and like hold equal and opposite poles too. And it's interesting because this one, I feel like I'm, I'm in your camp on, but something happened. And I'm curious your thoughts about this growing up when I was training for the Olympics in Taekwondo and my to balance that with school, my self-honor, I was, whatever I would say I would do, I would do it no matter what there was. And I mean, it, no matter what there was never, there was never a, a time I would go against myself in that way. And then in my 20s, I think around when I was working in the agencies and I was kind of doing what I didn't want to do, I was like behind a desk and I was no longer doing what I really wanted to be doing, but I was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing and what society said I should be doing. Something shifted there during that time where the way that I would follow through with my own, like I'm going to go work out today or I'm going to go do this thing. I'm still really good at it, but I noticed that there'll be like, leaks in it in certain moments that I do not see happening with you. So what has your journey been like regarding self-honor? And was there a time where you didn't do that and there was a big repercussion and that clicked you into it deeper or, or has it just always been kind of a natural baseline for you? Uh, that's a really great question. So I would say that, yes, if I, I don't commit to things very often, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm very careful what I commit to, but once I commit to it, it's done. It's yeah. just absolutely done. And you've seen that from workouts or whatever, but also into difficult up that I've realized this person is not my person. I got to break yeah. up with them. So I'm going to do it like now. I mean, that's the today. ultimate. Cause that's where I see a lot of people with wobble, which is like, I believe you when you say you sit in a ceremony and you have that moment where you're like, I'm deciding and I cut the cord and it's done. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that's you. So yeah. first of all, how do you do that? And then for everyone listening, it's also, you know, it's also, you know, part of the process sometimes to kind of go through waves of self-doubt and not being sure. And, you know, it's like this stance between having compassion for that but also upgrading the self-honor and really holding to that. Well, I think that it, it so it is a, a, a really powerful strength that I have. And it's difficult to describe what's happening because it is on an energetic level. Like I'll go into, I did it the other day here. I, I was, I close my eyes. I breathe deep. I really connect in and I find this, um, I have to feel my way through the emotion to what's underneath it. 
and then and arrive at sort of the the portal point, the the place where energetically it branches. And I've just gone down a certain branch for a while and I need to trace my way back to that point. And once I can recognize it, I say, okay, I am going the other way. It's, it's hard to describe because it's, it's, uh, you and I have very deep, you know, medicine backgrounds. And, and so it's, it is something that I learned how to do in medicine. Um, but it's also something that, just like I believe that most of our greatest strength, our superpowers are born out of our greatest traumas and woundings and are learning how to compensate and deal with those traumas and wounds are um, how we formulate our superpowers. We develop them in response. And so for me, uh, I was uh, sexually abused at the age of five. And it was a repressed memory. It was a repressed memory. I didn't remember until I was 30. And so growing up, I had this sense that there was something wrong with me and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't see it, but I knew there was something off about me. And what that did was cause me to feel like there that I needed to do absolutely everything I could to feel safe in my own body and create safety around me. Because if inherently I feel like something's off, I almost can't trust any of my reality. And so for me, integrity of word became an absolute necessity to try and create stability in life. And so if you were someone who lied to me, I literally would cut you out and cut you off on a single lie. Like, nope, you're done. You're out. Done. Because I couldn't deal with the idea that I couldn't trust someone because life already inherently, I couldn't seem to to create safety around. And so for myself, it was the same thing. If I said something, but didn't honor it, then like, that's such a slippery slope. You say, okay, I'm going to meditate every morning for, for the month of February. And then you don't do it. Yeah. Like it's not, to me, it's not, I can't 90% trust someone. Mm-hmm. Either I can trust you or I can't trust you. Mm-hmm. It, like that's, that's the way it works for me. There, there's not a, I can mostly trust you. Well, mm-hmm. how do you decipher what you can and can't trust them? Everything that person says comes with some level of doubt. and the idea that I would have that about my own word and my own self, I, I can't, I can't, for me, I can't imagine moving through life, doubting the things that I say even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now I'm very careful because to your point, it's not like we break up and then a day later I'm in ceremony and I'm like, okay, done. I let it go. After months of, oh, do I want them back? Do I not want them back? Whatever. I get to a point where I, it's time to make the decision. And similarly, I can be in dynamics when I was dating, for example, and go, is this the person? Is this not the person? Do I want to take this further? Do I not want to take it further? And you've been a part of a lot of those conversations where I'm not sure, but the moment that you're sure and you stop and you don't take that action, you are now taking every step out of integrity with yourself. And you're eventually going to have to course correct. You know what they say with one, with a ship that's one degree off course, right? Like it winds up miles off its destination. Well, 
every moment you spend in a job that you know you hate and is not in alignment or a relationship that is not in alignment, you are off course and you're going further off course. And at some point, if you truly desire and you are going to make that decision to get back on course, the further off you went, the more painful and difficult and challenging it is going to be to get back in alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel that, you know, I feel that. And it, yeah, it builds, there's just, it's such a subtlety because it builds, this is where we hold two different poles where everything you're saying is exactly the truth. And I feel like we come to each other sometimes for the balancing of these two things where you, where you'll be, you'll hold me to that, like, okay, it's, you're going to have to make that decision now and decision C days to kill to decide is to kill all other options, right? So to decide is you're killing all other options other than the one choice that you're making. So you are collapsing all other timelines and there's something so potent and powerful in that. And then there's the other side of it during, in the process. And even once you, this is just where I bring up the question of compassion and like gentleness and forgiveness and ease, because for someone who has come out of alignment with themselves over time, I feel like ironically, the pathway into a sustained new level of reality, where you walk with the level of self-honor that you're speaking to has to actually be built on a foundation that comes from self-compassion and forgiveness not like there's like, it's, it can't, I think the tendency, at least for me in the past is if I, you know, for me, sometimes it occurs like I'll, you know, overeat or like eat late at night or like have these little, like that's generally where the leakage will come for me, where (laughs) I just know there's a whole new level of reality for me. If I just like, cause I, I eat healthy overall, but there's just moments where I'm like, it's, it's lately it's been like, if I'm bored, like I'm kind of in that in there's like an another expression of many things coming in and a lot of things have changed and fallen away. And then there's that like time in between where there's space <laughs> yeah. and nothing's actually bad or wrong or too wily at the moment, but there's like, there's space and there's stillness and there's like void and there's something around embracing and being with the void space. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's a part of me that like just wants to be fed during that time where like I get a little wibbly on the board, on the, on the boredom or something. What's the meaning that that you're assigning that, you know, like that's cause that's the other thing that, that is important to recognize is it doesn't sound like you're breaking a commitment. For example, if you said, you know what, for the month of February, I'm not eating after 8 PM. Yeah. That's just what I'm going to do. Now that's a commitment. If, if there's a general, I don't like to eat after 8 PM, uh-huh. that's where it gets wobbly. And that's where yes. people give themselves the gray area because, uh-huh. and like I said, I don't commit to things often unless I'm really going to commit to them. Uh-huh. For example, I don't like to eat after, after 10 PM. It's just kind of a, but it's not a rule. I haven't made that a rule, yeah. but I do abide by it most of the time. Uh-huh. One other piece to this that I know your listeners are going to really appreciate is like, Think of the word integrity, right? When you're thinking about integrity through laws of physics, right? The integrity of a glass, right? Is basically, if it's cracked, 
its integrity is compromised. Yeah. And so this glass can withstand a certain amount of pressure. There's a certain amount of energy that it can hold when yeah. it is in integrity. And the moment that that integrity is compromised, it cannot hold what it is capable of holding when it is in full integrity. I actually view that the exact same way as us as human vessels. Mm. The integrity that I have is going to directly correspond to the amount of energy that spirit can flow through me. And if I want to be granted something like a million dollars, I to be gifted to me on by spirit, for example, and you know this because you were a part of the journey of me getting a million dollar client and then seeing what I did with that money, yeah. which was very much feeling like I was being given directions, start a nonprofit, start filming the the, the reality show, The Art of Choosing Love, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honored my commitment, which was, I will spend every dollar of this in alignment with what you tell me to do, as long as I have the resources to do it and you make it abundantly clear. Like if it's very clear that you're asking it of me, I will do it. No matter how scary it is, I will use every dollar in that. If I am not the person with a hundred percent integrity on those commitments, yeah. if I'm just sitting in spirit's chair going, you know, he's like 90% of the time integrous. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Am I going, let me trust the 90% integrity here that he's going to do everything we ask him to do with this money. Or do I just give it to the hundred percent integrous person over here? Yeah. Because you're not like you're unique, but you're not special. Like we are all children of God. We are all unique. We are all special, which makes none of us special. So like the thing is that if you're not going to be a hundred percent in integrity and be a uh, opportunity for spirit to speak through you, there is someone else in line that is happy to take your place. Yeah. And so there's, that is to me, another aspect of why if I say something, it's done so that God can trust my word and grant me and gift me opportunities to be a vessel for God's will. Mm. Damn. Mic drop that, that there's something that I was thinking the other day where if we, to the degree that we're walking in integrity, is the same degree that we actually don't require judgment. In the Gene Keys, it goes from, uh, I'm, I'm studying this one that goes from judgment, it's in my chart, to judgment, to integrity, to perfection. And when we're embodying the degree of integrity that you're speaking of right there, there's actually no need for judgment. Because the walk that you're walking, you're in that integrity. It's only when I come a little bit out of integrity that I experience self-judgment where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have had that extra bite at whatever time. And like, I feel that this morning, (laughs) you know, like there's like a little bit. And I hear what you're saying that it wasn't like a full committed agreement. And I think that's one good key there that you say, I don't commit 
all the time. I don't overcommit. I don't make a million commitments. I commit when I know that I'm going to follow through with it. And that's integrity because there's something about making small commitments and making them rarely at first so that you really set a baseline of always following through with your word when you make it. And then you build on that to make a deeper and wider impact of integrity in every area of your life. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really feeling that I'm feeling that inspiration from you and the integrity with which you walk, which again is one of my most inspiring characteristics of yours. And, um, as we get ready to land the ship of this episode right now, I'd love for you to, you know, share with us an area of your life that you feel is the most expanded currently and expanding. Like, where do you see which area of your life feels the most expanded and in what direction is it expanding? And then letting us know, you know, if there's any way that anyone listening who got some deep medicine out of this episode can support that amplification for you. I think that I have like two different answers. One is like in relationship, uh, uh-huh. cause that's a, a big area for me, um, that's expanding right now. But I, I would say actually, um, and it's on my mind because of a dinner I had yesterday with two gentlemen who are like, one of them's talking about his, I mean, he's doing multi-million dollar months. Wow. you know, in his business. And, um, I think, uh, having dinner with them and also being out in Miami and suddenly I'm on, around a lot of very, very wealthy people and very wealthy houses. I've gotten integrated into a little bit of community here that are events that I've gone to and my business and what I want to build mm-hmm. is an area that is very much, uh, in, expanding right now because I have spent the last, as long as I can remember, we have a mutual friend, Anthony, shout out to to our medicine brother, Anthony. Anthony. Our our triad. Yeah. And so one of the things that he shared with me, because I was telling him how I think I need to get my biz, like I want to get my business to a point where I'm doing multi-million dollar months and like, like do that. And I'm just, I spent so much time thinking about business through the lens of making money over the last, like last, let's say four or five months, because I was also consulting for businesses and they wanted to make money. So my mind was just on that. Mm-hmm. And I, and he said to me something, which was really interesting. He said, bro, you've managed to unplug from the matrix in a way that few people, like people strive to, which is you, ne- you never do things for money. You actually as long as I've known you, you've said, what do I want to do? Make music, do this, do that. You've always just done what you want to do and created and money has always found you. And he said, most people do it the other way around, but wish they could do it that way. And so don't like undo this thing that you somehow figured out how to do. And with that said, I think that where our attention goes, right? Like where that's where energy flows. And so I think that right now I'm paying a lot of attention to how to expand in business, how to create impact really, and what impact really even means. What, what, what is legacy? How, how do I desire my impact, my legacy to be felt on this planet when I'm gone, when I leave? And I think that's tied to wanting to start a family in the next few years. And like 
all of that to me is in massive areas of expansion. And on that topic, just for people listening, I think that the ways in which that gets done and accomplished is by switching how I've been doing things into a different discipline. It's like, if you want to be really great at skiing, great, go skiing. And then suddenly if you want to do, you know, snowboarding, you're going to have to get on a snowboard. It's just for me, pointing my attention and focus on things that I'm realizing I've had resistance to. Yeah. And so I'm intentionally expanding in areas that I have resistance to right now. And that feels Mm -hmm. very triggering, challenging, and also important. Yeah. Yeah. Can you name what one of those areas you have resistance to is? Yeah. I think, uh, I think that one of the biggest areas that I have resistance right now is charging people money. Mm. (laughs) Like, which is odd considering I've charged a lot of money in my day. Um, but I've, for some reason I have uncovered this belief system in myself that, uh, I don't want people to like me because of my money. Mm. Like that, that thing is, is I had a lot of women um, who wanted me to fly them out places. And I, when people saw the car I was driving or the house I was in, there was suddenly this thing that I felt that activated in me, this, this part of myself that from a young age didn't like thought there was something wrong with me and therefore wanted to be liked just for me and not because of what I have or what I can provide, but just me and making more money, like intentionally setting the desire is bringing up that part of me that doesn't want to be liked or, or respected because of how much money I make. Mm -hmm. And I get to override that. I get to rewrite that story because the truth is I respect people who have figured out to make, how to make multi-million dollar months in their business. I do respect that. And that doesn't make them a good person, bad person or anything. It is something that I respect. Mm -hmm. And to have my self-worth tethered to making a lot of money in any way, shape or form is not helpful. And so that's an area, for example, that I'm expanding in. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Why don't you tell us some ways that anyone listening who would like to go deeper with you might be able to give you some money? <laughs> uh, well, adamroa.com is is the hub. I have all the online stuff, adam.ro on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, all the places, YouTube. Um, and then I have two podcasts. I have the deep dive with Adam Roa, which Z's episode will be out, I think, by the time this one gets in here. So go and listen to us continue this crazy conversation. <laughs> and then uh, I have Your Too Much podcast with Taylor and Adam, which is 22-minute episodes that are very taboo. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah, I would say that for since we talked a lot about breakups, The Art of Breaking Up is a 10-week course that I designed specifically to help people turn their breakup into to beauty. And oh. um, so that's on my website if you uh, would like some support if you're going through a breakup right now. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Highly recommended. This man has supported me through many a breakup. So really, really grateful for your medicine and your voice, Adam Roa, in all the ways. And to all of you who are listening, thank you for your time and your hearts and your depth. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes 
to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.